Hi, sisters. Today we're going to talk about rejection. Have you ever felt like rejection seems to follow you everywhere you go? No matter what you do, it just seems that people reject you. I have experienced this throughout my own walk. And so we're going to talk about it today. Why it could be that it's following you? How to not react to it anymore, to have greater understanding about it, and be break and to break free from the power that rejection can have over us. I do have homework with this particular teaching, so look for that in the show notes. God bless. Hi family, welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Hi, guys. Today, we are going to talk about the spirit of rejection or just rejection in general. Okay. I don't believe that rejection has like a spirit. I don't think that there's uh, one demon that's been assigned uh, with the name rejection to, you know, thwart our lives with rejection. Uh, demons are not omnipresent. Uh, they are not all places, all times. And people deal with rejection all over the world simultaneously. And so obviously there's not a spirit of rejection. However, I say spirit of rejection as in um, helping us just kind of understand what I'm talking about today, that there is just rejection that can obviously be demonically inspired because once the enemy knows that this is a weapon in his arsenal that works to get us down to, um, hurt us, it will, then he, then he's going to continue to use that arsenal. Right. So definitely can be demonically inspired, but, uh, not necessarily a spirit. Cause we like to call everything. We like to give everything a name. Now we like to say, Oh, there's a spirit of lust. There's a demon of lust. There's a demon of rejection. We're given way too much power to the enemy. Um, we are human beings going through a human experience that are, that, um, still, deal with sin in our lives, whether we are born again and we're still carrying around that sin that still dwells within us, or we are dealing with unbelievers who are ruled by their sin. And so rejection is a part of that sin nature that we still experience. Just wanting to kind of put that out there and make sure we're all on the same page with that. As we move forward here, just kind of want to talk about my own experience. You know, last teaching, we were doing the gospel of John and we're in chapter one. And at the end, I had talked about rejection and how many of us carry around rejection. I kind of call it putting it in your pocket and you just carry it around because it's just always following you. And so how do we learn 
to deal with rejection, especially if you're somebody who you feel like it just seems like you're rejected every everywhere you go, everything you participate in, there just seems to be this rejection that follows you. I was I was that person. I from the time I was conceived, you know, my mom did not want to have me. She was not happy that she was pregnant with me and she uh, did not want to go forth with the pregnancy. And I found that out um, much later in life. I actually found that out not too many years ago. Uh, My father had, you know, opened up to me and confessed that to me and it made sense. It was like a light bulb went off because I always felt so rejected by my mom my whole life and still to this day. And it made sense to me that I was never really wanted. And so that, that spirit, and I'm just using that term as we've already talked about that spirit of rejection started um, in the womb, you know, just not even wanted as a baby in the womb. And, and it just seemed to start there and it continued to follow me. You know, my parents ended up getting divorced um, when I was three years old. My dad just abandoned me um, for reasons that I, I understand. And they don't hold any unforgiveness towards him. I, especially as I got older, it made, I understood why it was very difficult for him to see me. And I did see him, but it was very only a couple times a year and it was hit and miss. And um, he would say, oh, I'm coming to get you this weekend, but then he wouldn't show up. And in that rejection, just feeling so rejected by your father. And, you know, this, um, you know, when I was real young, we lived, you know, basically in government housing and and, and we were in basically poverty. And I just always felt rejected by my peers. I went to a very affluent school, even though I lived in government housing. And so I always felt like I was always around people that, you know, had the mom and dad and the suburban home life and, and all of the, the love and the, the material things and everything, just that, you know, picture perfect American family growing up. And I didn't have any of that. Uh, I was, you know, abused as a child. I was sex started being sexually abused by the time I was um, four years old. I had um, sexual abuse going on. I was physically abused, emotionally abused, verbally abused. There was so many dynamics going on in my childhood that it just was a constant rejection in my life. So my peers reject, I felt like my peers rejected me and um, it just seemed like I was never good enough. I was never pretty enough. I was never dressed well enough or uh, my grades were never good enough. You know, I'm going through so much trauma and there's just so much chaos going on in my life. And so as I'm probably projecting that out into the world and I'm needing love and needing affection. And so the enemy knows that as well. And so he's only putting more rejection, more rejection in order to um, really destroy what's the enemy out to do, kill, still and destroy us. And so he started from the womb to try to kill, still and destroy me. And he used every weapon and most people to do that. So as I grew up, obviously I'm growing into my womanhood, junior high, high school, I start to kind of grow into my looks and I start to, you know, become an attractive young girl and I'm starting to feel uh, better about myself, but I still have all this trauma in me. And so now I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. I'm you know, not wanting to still be rejected. So I'm compromising my morals and compromising, you know, who I am. I've lowered the bar in my life. Let's put it that way. I've not set, I have no idea how to set boundaries. 
And I've completely lowered the bar so that I won't feel rejected. So I can feel accepted and what's going on in my life and never feeling good enough, never feeling, um, you know, like I fit in. And sadly, even as I was, you know, trying to be a Christian at some point, when I finally started trying to be a Christian, I never felt like I fit in in the churches either. Like I know I would, I mean, even I remember being in junior high and going to the youth group and wanting to fit in and, and be liked and be loved. And I just wasn't, and it just, it wasn't that I was, um, you know, a repulsive personality or anything like that. It was just this rejection that would follow me. Um, sometimes it would be jealousy because maybe I, you know, was pretty, or it would be, you know, well, you're not good enough because, you know, we're all pastor's kids or we're all, you know, we've been raised in the church and we, we, we know how to be a good, um, Christian kid, right. They know all the lingo, they know how to act and what to say and what not to say. And here I am this broken person coming in that didn't have all that, that wasn't church, but really interested in, knowing about the Lord, but because of all my brokenness, I'm still living, you know, not the way I should be. And instead of coming alongside of me and loving me and helping me and discipling me through that, I instead got a lot of rejection and I experienced that a lot. And then eventually you just kind of stop going to church because you're just like, well, you know, that's not really where it's at either. They don't really like me anyway. And no one seemed to have an interest. And you don't know though, like looking back, I can go and kind of look through all these things. But back then I have no idea what's going on. Eventually, you know, I get married, I get divorced, I get remarried. Now I'm in a blended family trying to, again, you know, fit into the Christian community. And with all of that baggage, plus your trauma from your childhood that still hasn't been dealt with and, you know, rejection just continues to follow, you know, you're never, you never feel good enough. You never feel um, like you can participate or be used by God. And then when you have the lack of discipleship and lack of, um, you know, those kind of things, it just kind of, it was definitely just a subconscious thing. And I just always never felt like I fit in. And I mean, I am typically a little bit of a personality that's kind of um, obviously on the fringe anyway. I tend to um, put myself out there. I, you know, I get passionate about the word of God. I'm passionate about what I believe in. I'm passionate, a passionate person. And so that obviously will cause rejection when people just want to stay in their comfortable box. And then here you are trying to, you know, cause waves. Um, and so, you know, there is that part about me that it will cause that, you know, a little bit of that rejection, but anyway, so, you know, so I'm trying to fit into the Christian church. I'm not fitting. I just don't feel like I'm fitting in there. You know, I'm not just, like I said, just not the perfect American raised in church, stayed in church, went to Christian school, went to Christian college. You know, my dad's a pastor, everything's peachy King. And you just feel like sometimes like, that's what they want, right? They want this picture perfect, you know, Christian. And I was not that person. Um, I had a lot of inner, inner pain and trauma still. Um, I really, you know, loved God and wanted to serve him, but just was not there. So I thought, well, I'll go to college. That's what I need to do. I just need to go to Bible college. I'll get a degree and then the Christian church will accept me and they'll feel like they can use me and I'll be able to go and serve the Lord. (laughs) Oh boy, that, that's not true. (laughs) That is just not true. Um, that did not help at all. So, you know, what, 
that's a whole long story. And I have that in my book. I talk about it in the book I wrote, uh, Be the Church, Going Beyond the Pews. And it, I, I give a talk about this story, but you know that did not make me more loved or more less rejected because I didn't deal with the inner person. You know, I got intellectualized. I got a, I got a, I got a degree. I, I did the man-made thing, but my heart hadn't changed, and who I was wasn't changing. And so, what I started to do was when I realized that I can do all the programs. I mean, I, we, I went to like every conference and seminar you can think of. Got all the certificates. I got all the T-shirts. Right, all the things. And finally went to school, got the degree, and I still was in no better of a place. I just, now I have all of this paper that says, oh, here, you're qualified, right? But I wasn't technically qualified. I needed a heart transformation. I needed, I needed an encounter with Jesus Christ to transform my life. And that's when things started to change. I laid my life down and started saying, you know what? Wait a minute. I don't want a title. I don't want a position in the church. I don't want any of these things. What I actually want is I just want to love like Jesus. I just want to be a part of a family and a part of a community of believers. And I want to love them and I want to serve them. The Lord had really done a work in my heart. And I end up in this church and I'm super excited because I'm like, it felt like for the first time, I'm not trying to be anything. I'm not trying to get a, like, I don't need recognized. I don't need a title. I don't need a position. I don't need any of those things to feel like I can be used by God. I just need to love people. I just need to know the word and love people. And so that's what I did. I was just so focused on that in this ministry. And I just was laying my life down and washing feet and just, you know, cooking meals and serving and um, also out serving the community. It's when we really got, you know, passionate about working with the homeless population and feeding them and clothing them. We got passionate about, you know, just serving wherever there was a need um, and actually, you know, even talked to about having a position in the church. Um, and it, it, at the time it was head of women's ministry. And I said, no, I don't want anything like that. Like I really just wanted to lay low and serve people and love people and, and do the hospital visits and the shut-ins and, and, you know, when people are sick and go and just make them meals. Like I just wanted to be that, that person. I just started loving and love just started flowing out of me as I was just, um, the more I was serving, the more I was thinking of others greater than myself, love started flowing through and it just I was so happy. I loved it. I absolutely loved just loving people with no expectations. But what had happened was before I would be rejected because of my leadership skills or my leadership ability or whatever it was, you know, now I'm being rejected because I'm I'm loving people. It was offensive to, um, there was an associate pastor who was a woman in the church at the time. And, um, and she just was so jealous because she didn't operate in love. And she, it was all about just her being able to have a, a public speaking and that, you know, she didn't have that love and she was very crass and um, she was just snarky and, and not, she just wasn't a nice person. And unless she needed you for something, she, she just wasn't. And she just came up against me and just was really doing everything she could to tear me down and to put me in my place or to make me try to make me feel a certain way. And I was just like, but I just continued to love and whatever. But 
it finally came to a head. I'm going to tell you this story. This is crazy. Finally came to a head one day after church, she come up to me out of nowhere. And she said, she said, I just want you to know that I have been on a fast. I have been fasting for three days and I've been asking the father to show me the truth about who you are, because there's no way that someone loves the way that you do. Like, she just felt like I had an ulterior motive. Like I couldn't just love people because she didn't know love. And, and she said, and the father, this is is such spiritual abuse, you guys. She said, the father told me in my fast that you just want disciples for yourself and that you don't actually generally love anybody and that you have a religious spirit. I was like, what? And I was just like in shock. Like, I was just like, what? are you talking about? Like, so I had to call my husband over, you know, like, uh, I need you to say this to my husband. Like, I, I want to make sure I had a witness to this, you know, because she had done and said a lot of things, um, before to me and, and about me and about other people. Like she was, she was just not a nice person. And, but this is the first time, like she was really nose to nose with me and just really wanting to, um, get me to, to lash out. I think she wanted to get me to, um, argue with her or show my true colors, if you will, will in her mind. And so my husband came over. I said, can you repeat what you just said to me so that, you know, my husband can also hear it. And she did. And he was like, that is not godly for you to say something like that. And so, and then she was saying it, there was people all around us. And so I said, you know what, how about we go into the office and we talk about this now? So I don't think this is the right atmosphere to be doing this, you know? Um, and I, I'm just, I'm crying and it was all bad. Well, anyways, long story, very, very short. Uh, I left, left that ministry. Uh, this was, it was spiritual abuse and, you know, here to find out the pastor was having an affair on his wife and all these other things. I mean, there was so much going on. So I left and whatnot, but I'll never forget that. Like it stayed with me for a long time. You know, somebody speaking that spiritual abuse over you. I mean, did she really fast and pray? Did the father say that? Did God say that to her? Like, God, do you really think that about me? Like, man, am I doing something wrong? Like, I really just loved people. I don't, I don't want anybody to follow me. I want them to follow you. I want them to see the love of you. Like it just makes you question everything. And then you go, what is wrong with me that, you know, everywhere I go, there just seems to be rejection everywhere I go. It's never good enough. Like everywhere I go, like, you know, it just seems like somebody wants to put me in my place. Somebody wants to let me know me, tell me about myself, you know? And, um, even when you just love people, even when you stay in the background, like it just felt like, I was trying all these different things to get rejection to stop following me, right? Like, okay, I finally figured it out. I just need to love people. I just need to lay my life down. I just need to wash feet and I'll finally not be rejected. And then you're rejected for the very thing that you thought biblically, even like that's what you're told to do biblically and you're still rejected. But what I will say is that was a turning point for me because I realized that the rejection was not about me. The rejection is about them. The person that's rejecting us, the person that's, um, you know, they, whatever, for whatever their motives are, whatever their reasoning is. Yes, we can reject things out into the world. You know, obviously I, you know, I've always carried around that spirit of rejection. I've always, um, you know, had this trauma and this unhealed stuff and, and the enemy has a toolbox specifically with your name on it, you know, not literally, but that's just a good metaphor with your name on it. And he's got tools that he knows will work 
to hinder you and to hinder your ministry and to hinder what you're supposed to be doing. And so he knows that rejection, I've been rejected my whole life, never felt like I fit in, never felt loved, never felt like I was worth anything. His tool, one of his weapons was always, well, just have somebody reject her, have somebody tear her down and she'll get sad and she'll get depressed or she'll stop doing what she's doing. She'll, she'll pull back. She'll stop, you know, whatever. And that worked for a long time, you know, just like here, of course I needed to leave. This was a, an unhealthy ministry with a lot of spiritual abuse going on, false doctrines being taught, you know, a pastor having an affair, clearly not a ministry that should have been overseeing my soul. So I'm grateful for that. But what I learned was in that time is that I need to figure out who I am in Christ. And I need to start doing some, some healing within myself so that I can combat this, you know, even better. And today I do know who I am in Christ. Today I accept my weaknesses. I accept who I've been made to be, the things that I have gone through in my life. And I'm continuing to try to grow as a person. This happened many years ago. And I've just been on a journey of uh, revealing who I am, walking in forgiveness, walking in the truth of who God has made me to be and owning that owning that I am a stronger personality as a woman, owning that I am going to draw, you know, jealousy people, you know, there's going to be people that are going to rise up and, and operate in jealousy or operate in things that, you know, are going to feel like rejection to me. One thing I've learned is taking the grief recovery method and now teaching multitude of people, the grief recovery method. We deal with the fact that no one can make you feel anything. You are in control of your own feelings. I do not give that power to anyone, anyone anymore. You may reject me, but I do not have to feel rejected. I do not have to feel angry. I do not have to feel sad. You can't make me feel anything. I'm going to take that experience and I'm going to work through that experience and I'm going to own whatever feelings I have and that I want to have around it, but I'm not going to give you the power to make me feel anything anymore. I'm going to own my own feelings and my own emotions. And that has helped me so much. I see things differently with rejection. Now I used to think there was something wrong with me. And I'm not saying that I didn't have things to heal and things to work through in my, in my own life. Of course I did, but I see it also as the enemy who knew that that worked for a long time. He was like, this is the tool. This is the nuclear bomb. This is the weapon that if I throw at her, takes her out for a season. It takes her out for a while. It puts her in a tailspin, whatever it does. And now I see it for what it is like, oh, okay. Well, guess what? When you start realizing who you are in Christ, you start going through healing, using the word of God to just see who you are in him. Realize that Jesus was rejected first by his own people, God creator, rejected by the very people that he had chose, you know, but it didn't stop Jesus. Why? Because he loved God. He loved the father when the father loved him and they loved us. They love us. And it's not past tense. They still love us so much. And he had a mission in life when he was here on this earth. And it was to make a way where there was no way to shed his own blood for you and me so that he could reconcile a people back to creator back to father God and live eternally with us as a family. And nothing was going to stop that mission. Jesus loved the father. 
the father loved him and they love us and we now love them. That love kept him going. Did the rejection break his heart? Sure. Sure. It broke his heart. He kept on moving. It didn't stop him. It didn't, it didn't pull him back. Not one inch from the mission that he had to do, that he chose to do, submitted his will to do. And that's how I look at those things. Now I see when rejection comes, it's not going to stop me. I'm not giving anybody that kind of power in my life anymore. I understand that it's a, an assignment from the enemy. The devil has taken the tool out of his toolbox. I'm going to hit her with rejection. Let's see how she reacts. I will tell you that since I don't react the way I used to, I see it for what it is. I pray for that person. I continue to love that person. The enemy doesn't pull that one out of the toolbox much anymore. It just, it still happens because rejection is always going to happen, especially if you have a biblical worldview, if you're putting yourself out there in any meaningful way for anything, whether it's in a job, whether it's in the neighborhood, family, community, your church, if you are stepping out of the boat in any way, rejection is going to come, especially social media, right? There's trolls everywhere that just want to tell you about yourself and tell you how inadequate you are, how, how whatever you are. I don't even know. Like it's insane. The things that they'll say on social media to people. And so we have to just like fluff that off, but just know that it's from the enemy and that he is just trying to use that toolbox. So I don't get that tool doesn't get used on me as much. That weapon does not get used on me as much um, anymore, though it still does, but I react differently because I know who I am in God. So I pray and I say, listen, I'm not going to fall for that. I know who I am in Christ. I'm going to pray for this person, this, you know, pray for whatever's going on in them. Cause I've realized the enemy uses broken people to hurt people. So a lot of times when people are rejecting you, there's something broken within them. It could be that they're just hurting. They just reject people because they're their own pain, their own hurting. It could be they're just, they have insecurities. They, they feel um, threatened or insecure by your presence. It could be self-sabotaging that maybe they think you're going to reject them first. And so they just go on almost like a self-sabotaging escapade where it's just like, well, I'm going to reject them before they can reject me because they're going to reject me anyway. A lot of times that's subconscious. They don't even realize they're doing it um, until you work on things within yourself. Sometimes it's jealousy. People, you know, are, can be just jealous of your gifts, your talents, your your promotion. They can be jealous of your looks. They can be jealous of your marriage. You know, there can be whatever reason people can be jealous. They can be jealous of your handbag, you know, I don't know. And so they're just going to reject you because you, you got a, you know, Versace handbag and they've got one from Walmart. I don't know, you know? And so they, there's just that rejection. And sometimes you're still with people that just aren't born again. And they're just, they're, they're being used in their sinful nature by the enemy to try to hurt you, to pull you back, to get you to stop doing what you're called to do. And I have learned to just have compassion on those who reject me and know that it's not me, you know, and especially if I'm loving them, if I'm showing up, if I'm showing up in a positive way, in a loving way, carrying Christ with me into the world, then the rejection is often going to be because of who I represent. I represent Jesus Christ because I have a biblical worldview. I stand on the scripture alone uh, for all my, for the final authority and everything in my life. And a lot of people don't want that anymore. I, um, I show up with confidence. I show up with love. I show up with joy and peace. These things can be offensive to those who don't have it. And so I understand that. And so I've learned to have compassion on them, pray for them and love them. Also, I have surrounded myself with people who love me. 
warts and all. They they just they love me for me. Now that doesn't mean they tolerate. I mean, we hold each other accountable. If I'm if I'm in error or I'm doing something wrong or whatever, we lovingly, you know, hold each other accountable. But I am surrounded by people who genuinely love me, who genuinely uh, love my weaknesses. They love me and my strengths. Uh, there, there, there's not jealousy there. There's just a love for one another, building each other up in the faith, separating myself from um, particular denomination, which I was a part of for a long time. I was a part of a, a particular um, philosophy of Christianity that just it, it held a lot of that kind of stuff there. Jealousy, um, spirit of rejection, if you want to put it that way. Uh, a lot of the, because there's a doctrine of demons that flows within that particular uh, denomination or philosophy, there tends to be a lot of backbiting, a lot of um, gossip, a lot of those kind of things, because they really don't have a biblical worldview. And I've learned that. And I do want to talk about that uh, in more depth on, in a later time, because I do, I do really do want to give that part of my testimony of walking away from um, spiritual abuse and where I see a lot of spiritual abuse at. So that has helped me tremendously as well. I'm not hanging in those circles anymore. And I, so I see a different type of brother and sister in Christ. They're, they're more biblically sound. They're more um, mature. They tend to be less combative and those kind of things, but that's not 110. I mean, that's not like, you're not going to still do that because it wasn't just recently um, I was in church and there's some like this person will literally look me right in the face and will and, and will look away and walk away and uh will, will not talk to me has never spoken to me ever and this person's in like a leadership role and I'm just like why like what <laughs> you know and so finally like recently like we were literally almost nose to nose and I was waiting like are you finally going to introduce yourself you finally going to say hi to me and they just looked at me and looked the other way to somebody else and so I just said okay fine hey guess what hi my name is uh Amy and I don't think we've actually properly been introduced I haven't met you yet so I just want to introduce myself how my name is Amy and they just said oh yeah I'm so and so and 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 kept it moving like they did not want to engage. It was just like, okay, you know, but before that would have like really hurt me. And like, I would have been mad. I would have been sad. I'd have been all kinds of feelings. Like I'd have been all up in my feels and I would have just, you know, like, like what's wrong with me? Oh my gosh. I don't understand. Like, you know, and maybe back in my earlier days, like people pleasing, like maybe if I get them a gift, maybe if I do this, they'll see I'm worth it. I'm worth knowing I'm worth loving. And now it's just like, no, I'm not the problem. Love is how we will be known. That's what Jesus says. So I'm not seeing love. And so something's wrong in, in their walk. And I, and I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to, you know, whether or not they're a tear among the wheat, whether or not they're truly born again, I don't know, but I know that love is missing at least with me. And so what I'm going to do is pray for them, pray for the, the relationship and, you know, ask God, like if there's something in their life, if there's something broken, you know, help them and just help me to continue to love them, but set boundaries. I'm not going to put myself in a position where now I'm trying to win their approval. I'm trying to get them to like me. Some people are never going to like you. But that is just the reality, even in your own church. And it's sad because that should never, ever be named among us because that's disunity. It's discord. 
but it's just a reality of the day that we live in. And there's just going to be people who are never going to like you. And we have to accept that as part of our walk and know long, always look within ourselves. Are we loving people? Are we showing up to the world, to the church, to the places with love, the love of Jesus? Are we showing people grace and mercy? Are we full of joy and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and, and peace and self-control? And remember, no one can make you feel anything. And so she didn't make me feel anything. I wasn't going to give her or anyone else that kind of power. I just simply walked away and left it in the Lord's hands. And I'm going to keep it moving. I'm not going to stop doing what I'm called to do because she may never show up to anything that I'm doing because she may never want to have anything to do with me. She's one person in the world of what? 8 billion. It's okay. Continue to pray. And I know the enemy does that. Sometimes the enemy will purposely try to keep people apart because he, he somehow knows that if these two people become friends, that they will like transform something. I don't know if there's angels assigned. I mean, Satan is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. Like he doesn't, but somehow he, he knows things. And so he, he's always out looking how he can divide and conquer and destroy and bring division. And that's his job. He's doing his job. He does his job very well, especially because we help him do his job, right? Because we're not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the word of God. But for me in my house, my vessel, I am going to stay submitted to the Lord and I'm going to love those who reject me and I'm not going to let rejection take over me. And I'm going to forgive those who hurt me and reject me. And I'm going to keep it moving because I love God. I love you. And I'm not going to stop just like Jesus didn't stop, even though his own people rejected him. This particular teaching does have homework. So um, if you clicked in the show notes below, you will have a nice journal prompt homework to look up some scriptures. I have scriptures on rejection. I have scriptures on forgiveness. And I just have some things to for you to think out and pray through um, as you start healing from the rejection and start looking at it maybe in a different way, start coming out from among it. Just know that once you kind of conquer this particular area of your life, Satan's got more tools in his toolbox. We're here for a journey. We're here to grow. We're here to grow and look more like Christ. We're growing into his image. And so we, I may not have rejection doesn't do this to me anymore, but trust me, Satan has other tools in his toolbox that he still throws at me and that I'm still working through because I'm on the same sanctification road that you are. So even though we conquer one area, another area comes, but it's for our good. That's what Satan, see Satan throws something at us, right? He's trying to get us to stumble. He's trying to get us to mess up. He's trying to get us to get it back into sin. He's trying to stop us from working towards the mission and the ministry, be about our father's business. So what Satan means for evil, right? God says, nope, I'm going to use it for your good and for my glory because you love me. We love him. And so that spirit of rejection has followed me around my whole life, has been used for my good and for God's glory, because I'm talking to you about it and you're going to get freedom and you're going to start working on that, or you're going to, you know, whatever is going to happen. You're going to start looking more like Christ because I'm using my testimony to now bring glory to God and hopefully the healing that comes. And so I want to pray with you, Lord, I just thank you for my sisters that are listening to this uh, podcast or watching this on YouTube. And I thank you for them. 
And Lord, I thank you that you first were rejected and there is no temptation that you have not, have not endured, that you did not perfectly handle. There's no experience that you haven't gone through that you didn't perfectly handle and rejection being one of them. And you know what that rejection feels like, you know, the, the pain that comes along with it, but it didn't stop you. And so father, I'm asking that you will help us and help the listener know that it doesn't have to stop them either. And that it's part of the journey. It's part of the healing journey. It's part of um, gaining confidence and becoming more like you when we go through these various trials and tribulations, that this helps build our faith, it builds our perseverance, it builds our character and our integrity so that we may look more like you, act more like you. And so, Father, I pray for them. I pray for the rejection that has followed them. I pray, Father, that you would just bring greater clarification to them in this area, that the scriptures they're going to be reading will just minister to them, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. And Father, that you will just continue to heal us, to grow us, to transform us into into your son's glorious image, and that we will continue to show up no matter what the enemy throws at us, that we will continue to show up in this world with Jesus Christ and his light and his love and his salt and his truth and help those who still need to know Jesus as their personal savior. Father, help us to love one another well and help us to see where we may be rejecting people and not even realize it, that we may also not walk in rejection. Um, and don't hurt other people. Help us to be mindful of those around us that we do not reject anyone for any reason, but that we show up with love in everything that we do, everything that we say. Father, even if there are people that are sinners, there are people that aren't like us, Father, we need to love them and show them your compassion because you had compassion on us when we too we're still sinners and you still have compassion on us. Every day we wake up with new mercies, even though we don't deserve it. We are so grateful and help us to be that loving um, representation of you in everywhere that we are in, in this life. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you ladies. Once again, if you need anything, contact me. If you want to talk more about rejection, you want to pray through it, join the Facebook group or, you know, email me, um, whatever you need. So God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.